0: Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential, your weekly hit of royal news right here on Mail+. Plus. We are still filming from home, but it doesn't stop us bringing you all the latest breaking royal news and views. Here's what's coming up today. After Harry and Meghan announced their plans to go on TV and tell the world their woes, the Queen announced she'd be making a TV appearance of her own on the same day. Plus, we discover the fascinating early life of Prince Philip with the help of royal biographer Ian Lloyd. And the arrival of August, our team will bring you the very latest royal baby news. But first, the Duke of Edinburgh remained in hospital this week in London, being treated for an infection. The Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English, is with us now. Rebecca, this was being downplayed at the beginning, but he's been in hospital quite a while now. What's the latest?
1: He has, does not he? I mean, he, he's, as you know, he's been in hospital since Tuesday last week, and it was meant to be, just for a few days of observation, he was meant to be in good spirits, walked in unaided. But obviously, when he didn't come out at the weekend, people started getting more worried, particularly when they saw the Prince of Wales make a 200-mile round trip from Gloucestershire to visit him, and actually came out looking like he had tears in his eyes. Um, so on Tuesday, a week to the date he went in, the palace did give us another statement. They said that uh, a little bit more information, that he's been treated for an infection. We don't know what that infection is, but he's a, an elderly man who has suffered bladder infections in the past, as is quite common, um, but made very clear, although that he was responding well to the treatment, he would be in for several days. And the indication that's been given to me is that he might not even come out until next week. Do so you think that he'll be up to
0: many more visitors from the extended family?
1: Well, oh, this is always a bit of a tricky one because actually royal members of the royal family don't tend to visit each other in hospital. That's not because they don't care, but they know a royal visit to hospital actually comes with quite a great deal of disruption. Uh, and obviously that's something they don't want at the best of times, let alone now. So I think as long as he seems to be responding well to the treatment, probably not. Um, but never say never. Um, and I think if he does start getting a lot of visitors, we would start to read something into that, I have to say.
0: Let's bring our panel in now. Joining us on the show this week are The Mail's Star columnist Sarah Vine and Saturday Diary editor Richard Eden. Welcome. Uh, Richard, what do you make of the way the Palace has been handling communications about Philip's condition?
2: It's a tricky one because we all understand Prince Philip's desire for some privacy when it comes to medical matters but you know as the consort of the head of state there is understandably a public interest in knowing um, his condition And I do think the palace has handled it quite badly because they they give out such few details, you know, just saying he's going in because he's been feeling a bit unwell just as a precaution. And then days later, they finally admit that he has an infection, which presumably is why he was admitted in the first place. But then they don't even say what type of infection. And so when you don't have any specific information like that, you, you just get more and more speculation. And, you know, in this day and age with the internet and, It just encourages rumours. I think it would be much more sensible to just give straightforward details about the nature of the infection and um, be honest about the situation.
0: Sarah, what what do you make of the fact David McClure, who's a friend of this programme, was basically saying earlier this week that, you know, treat us like grown-ups, give us the facts about this head of state who taxpayers pay for. Is there an argument for that sort of entitlement to the information?
3: I think that there has to be a, a slight veil of privacy when it comes to medical matters. I mean, you don't need to, have, he doesn't have to have all the gory details of what's wrong with them published, I think. But I mean, it's always been the same with Royals, hasn't it? I mean, in the olden days, they used to put a post, they used to put a, a bill outside the palace, didn't they? You have to keep the public informed. Um, I mean, he's he's very very old. You know, he's a very very old man, and I'm sure he's got lots of things wrong with him. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Rebecca's right. It probably is a bladder infection. He seems to have these a lot. And old men get them. But I mean, whether we need to hear the gory details, I I I think I, you know, I think he has entitled a little bit of privacy in that respect. I have to say, um, I think I think they've handled it okay. I think um, I have I have a theory which is a bit mad. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Okay, so I have a theory, and I'd love to know what Rebecca thinks about this. I have a theory that the reason they didn't make this decision, they made the statement last week about Ma- Meghan and Harry, is because the Queen and Prince Philip have suddenly realised that they're both getting on a bit, and they needed to sort of put a, you know, actually have a solution to this problem, because they didn't need to make a decision until the end of March, because that was when the review was up. And I wonder whether they suddenly both thought, okay, he's not very well, he's in hospital, we can't, you know, we can't let this one ride. If something happens, we have to have made our, our sort of decision clear. Um, and I, I have a theory that that's, why, that that's why they made that statement about Harry and Meghan, because I think they're both perhaps a bit mindful of the fact that they are, you know, getting towards the end of their lives. And perhaps, you know, having in Hospital slightly focuses the mind on these kind of quite important constitutional matters.
1: Rebecca, any, any thoughts on that? Well, I suspect there is an element of that in the background, but I have to say the reason why, and I'm sure we'll get on to Harry and Meghan as usual um, in a minute, but um, Harry has been pushing for this to be decided from fairly early on this year, and in fact, I was told that they were going to make the announcement earlier, but it was actually pushed back because Philip was taken ill, and quite frankly, the Queen had other things on her plate to deal with. Um, But as I say, I'm sure you're right, and it's something that they would like to try and sort out and move on from because, you know, they are in their twilight years.
0: So, Richard, what do you think about the fact that obviously over the last 12 months there have been a lot of restrictions about hospital visits for people who can't see their relatives. Do you think that's going to play well that Charles has been to see Prince Philip? Is that fair?
2: I mean, the truth is we don't know the full details of exactly why um, Prince Charles was, was allowed to visit. but. I think generally people will be sympathetic. You know, They know they've all wanted to visit, everyone's wanted to visit loved ones in hospitals or care homes or this type of thing. And they know that exceptions are made when someone's very ill or because of their age. Um, so I would say generally people will be sympathetic, but we don't know the full nature of Prince Philip's illness and why Prince Charles was allowed to visit. So it, it's very hard to comment
3: understand why people would be upset. I think there are a lot of people who haven't been able to say goodbye to their relatives. There were some awful scenes towards the beginning, you know, particularly in the first lockdown. I think as far as the the visitation um, rights have have changed now, I think it is now okay for people to visit their very elderly relatives. I do feel people who haven't been able to say goodbye to their relatives, it would, uh, you know, it must have been awful. But um, he is now allowed to visit and uh, two wrongs don't make a right, you know, he, 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 I think Those are the rules. He can go. And I think I think that's absolutely fine.
0: Sticking with Philip now and on the show last week, the biographer Ian Lloyd explored the service that the Duke has given the crown over his life. This week, he's delving back even further to an extraordinary look at Philip's early years.
4: Well, Prince Philip was born on the island of Corfu in 1921 at a a house called Mon Repos, which means uh, my place of rest. It was the summer residence of his parents, Prince and Princess Andrew of Greece. And um, he was the youngest uh, of five children and the only son. His older sisters, the four older sisters, uh, it ranged between in age between 15 and 7, I think. So I can imagine him being rather a spoilt little child with lots of you know, female attention. And he was a longed-for son, so presumably his mother felt a great... Uh, um support as well for him and uh, and he had an English nanny called Miss roose so uh, it was a very female dominated uh, environment but he didn't last very long in Greece because there's a civil war uh, not a civil war a war with Turkey I should say and um, uh, aged at about six months the family was forced to evacuate the island and um, King George V sent a gunboat the Queen's grandfather and they went into exiles into uh, mainly into near Paris, living near Paris, and uh, visiting England quite a lot. So although he's dubbed Phil the Greek, and um, uh, I know spitting image um, always had him running a kebab van as a kind of a a Greek tradition, but um, he's had very little to do with Greece. And in fact, the um, Greek royal family are not Greek. He hasn't got a drop of Greek blood. They came from Denmark, so his um, surname is Schleswig-Holstein Zondelberg-Brucksburg which is very un-Greek, and um, uh, so he spent his childhood really in um, uh, in mainly in France, the first ten years. The problem, I think, uh, when he came to marry Princess Elizabeth was that his his sisters had um, uh, Nazi connections. The eldest one, Margarita, had married uh, a man called Gottfried of Hohenlohe Langenberg, who was uh, a Nazi. Um, The... um, um, the, the sister that was killed in the plane crash was called Cecile and both she and her husband had joined the Nazi party in 1937. Um, the youngest sister also joined the Nazi party, Sophie, and her husband was Prince Christopher of Hesse, um, a descendant of Queen Victoria, who became an SS colonel and uh, head of one of the Nazi intelligence units. And uh, it was worked out later that the one point during World War II, Philip and Prince Philip and um, his brother-in-law, Christopher of Hesse, were actually fighting opposite each other off um, Italy uh, during a campaign there. And worse, Christopher of Hesse's brother, Philip, uh, was a stormtrooper. Prince Philip of Hesse was a stormtrooper and a Luftwaffe reserve officer and um, was Hitler's personal emissary to Mussolini at one point. So um, there was a Nazi connection, which was Quite difficult. So that's why when they married, Princess Elizabeth married Philip in 1947. The sisters were effectively um, banned from the uh, the wedding, which, um, uh, according to Lady Pamela Hicks, Philip's cousin, who I interviewed, they, they minded um, greatly the sisters. Although as she pointed out, they weren't exactly stormtroopers themselves, but it was their uh, association, their husbands, that uh, um, was the problem, I suppose. Prince Philip's um, relationship uh, with Russia is quite interesting. Um, His uh, grandmother was Victoria of Hesse, born Princess Victoria of Hesse. Her sister was um, the ill-fated Tsarina Alexandra of Russia, who was married to Nicholas II. And if you know the story of Nicholas and Alexandra, in the end they were um, um, all murdered. The the, uh, Tsar, Tsarina, and their uh, daughters and uh, the heir, much longed for heir Alexis, and also hit their um, sister. There was another sister Victoria and Alexandra called Elizabeth, and she too was um, um, uh, murdered in 1918 by the Bolsheviks. Um, I went on a state visit to Russia in 1994 when the Queen and um, Prince Philip met um, Boris Yeltsin, and um, Prince Philip went to a... Um, uh, the site of a convent founded by Elizabeth. She later became um, um, a saint, made a saint by the Russian um, church. And if you go to Westminster Abbey, there are certain 20th century martyrs, um, statues of them on the west front of Westminster Abbey, and one of them is Philip's great aunt, Elizabeth. And uh, one interesting thing is when they uh, found the bones or dis- uh, wanted to analyse the bones, I think they'd already found them, of the Tsar and Tsarina, is they used DNA provided by Prince Philip to um, to analyse the bones to prove that um, they were, in fact, those of the Russian imperial family. So, um, so it's quite an interesting connection.
0: Ian Lloyd's book, The Duke, 100 Chapters in the Life of Prince Philip, is out now. And in a surprise move this week, the Queen has spoken about her experiences of having the COVID vaccine, Let's have a look at that clip now, and afterwards we'll hear the thoughts of Rebecca English.
1: Well, once you've had the vaccine, you have a feeling of, uh, you know, you're, you're protected, which is, I think, very important. And as far as I can make out, it, it was quite harmless. I mean, it was very quick. And I'm, I've had lots of letters from people who've been very surprised by how easy it was to get the vaccine. And the jab was very, it didn't hurt at all. We hope everyone who is offered the vaccine will take it up um, because it is their best, it is all of our best chances to protect both the people who take up the vaccine, their families, and their communities. I, I think the other, the other thing is, is that it's, it is obviously difficult for people to, if they've never had a vaccine, because they ought to think about other people rather than themselves. Myself and other royal correspondents knew in advance that she was doing the call, but um, we obviously didn't know the nature of what she was going to say. And I think it's a really strong intervention in a huge national issue. The government is incredibly worried about the take up of the vaccine, particularly within certain areas of the community. And this is the Queen saying, look, I've had it. It didn't hurt. It hasn't affected my life. And actually, the only effect it's had is, is, is a positive one. So please think again. And this is something I mean, while, while she doesn't like to make public pronouncements on policy issues, I think this is one that they feel she can and that her intervention is an important one. Now, as if the Queen
0: didn't have enough on her plate, she's already dealing with the fallout of the news that Prince Harry and Meghan will be losing their patronages in this country. And now she also has to navigate the tricky path of broadcasting her own message on the same day that Harry's tell-all interview with Oprah Winfrey appears. Well, as ever, there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? So let's return to Rebecca English. And Rebecca, how do you think Harry and Meghan are feeling about losing these titles?
1: Well, when we say titles, I think we should probably be clear. It's not HRHs or the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. It's actually the patronages that they have Uh, the the kind of organisations and charities they support in the UK. But the answer is not very happy at all. Um, They really haven't been able to understand from the start of this. They, They genuinely thought for whatever reason they could go to the US and pursue commercial careers, but keep links in the UK and keep working for the Queen and the British monarchy. And they just haven't been able to understand the Queen's point is that you just can't do that. Uh, you cannot uh, be able to pursue millions in the U- in the US and have public lives in the UK. It just doesn't work like that. So, you know, uh, apparently the, one of the quotes has been used is that they hit the roof when they found out that they were, you know, the Queen was very firm about this. It was not going to be able to happen.
0: And what do you think the mood is in the palace? Do you think the Queen is actually really angry about all of these
1: developments? It's not anger, it's more frustration. As I I said, you know, when Harry and Meghan said this is what we want to do and the Queen made very, very clear from the start, you, you know, public service is very different from philanthropy and you cannot pursue millions of dollars in the US and have public lives in the UK, the two are just unworkable. What they are angry about, Joe, though, is the statement that they put out in response to the Queen's very measured statement last week. Look, this is the situation, I'm very sad personally, but it's the way it's got to be. And this really kind of almost slightly spiteful comment from them that they could still continue, you know, public service is public service and you could do it regardless. And there's a lot of people, including members of the Royal Family, who, who privately feel quite angry about this. They feel it was intensely disrespectful to the Queen, who's 94 and has given a lifetime of public service. So that's where the anger is, not so much in the decision they've made, as the way they've gone about it.
0: Do you think that, um, you know, as you say, spiky statements like that are being authored by them or their advisors in the US?
1: Oh, it's by them. I mean, they, you know, even when they were UK, there was nothing that kind of that was uttered on their behalf that wasn't uttered by themselves privately. So it is coming from them. And I, I think people feel quite hurt as a result about, about this. You know, Harry was born and brought up in the moral family. He has a great deal of respect for his grandmother. So why come out with statements like that? And if you mm. did it accidentally and couldn't see it was going to be interpreted like that, why not? You know, you've got a team of PR experts, and Harry has intense, you know, personal experience of how the royal family works. So I think people are just a bit pretty confused and, and hurt and a bit angry about that. I
3: just, I'm, I, I'm afraid I take an extremely dim view. I think it was incredibly arrogant and rude of them to say what they said to the Queen. I mean, you can't say to a woman who's had 68 years of service <clears throat> to her country when you've done about sort of six months um, that you understand the meaning of service. I mean, that is just unbelievable arrogance. I mean, I think part of the problem is that Harry is just incredibly thick. I mean, basically, you know, he, he in the real world he'd be lucky to be an estate agent in Fulham. I mean, I just don't think he understands what he's doing. I mean, it's just. It's, it's, I, I, I mean, that's the, only, that's the only explanation I can think of, unless they're deliberately trying to insult this woman. I mean, I mean, Rebecca says very correctly, I'm sure, that he has a lot of respect for his grandmother. I'm not seeing any respect at all. I'm just seeing a sort of petulant teenager who's cross because he can't have his own way, and stamping his feet and just, and just sort of basically slamming the door and flicking his hair. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I just, and I think a lot of members of the public <clears throat> think that too. I mean, I wrote a piece basically saying this, and I've never had so many emails. People are really quite upset at his behavior. And it doesn't take a genius or a great legal mind or whatever to understand that if you are basically saying, you know, we want our privacy, this is Cersei, by the way, <laughs> um, and, and then also saying, but we're going to do a tell all thing for Oprah. I mean, the two things are completely contradictory. I mean, it's just—it's not that they don't want people to know what they're doing, or, or they don't want to share details of their lives. They just want to do it on their own terms, and more importantly, they want to do it for money. And mm. that's just incompatible
0: with being a member of the royal family. Do you think that this this development opens a whole other can of political worms? Will there be lobbying from different factions of the royal family for these now available patronages?
1: I mean, definitely not. I mean, you know, they don't lobby for stuff like this. These these patronages, and, and this is a really important point, they've been able to keep private patronages, but what the Queen has said is anything handed down by her, by virtue of being members of the royal family, has got to come back to the royal family. So they are very much in her gift. I mean, if a member of the royal family thinks they've got a particular skill set that could work, I mean, Prince Edward's name has been thrown out there you know, in line with the the National Theatre, because obviously he he had a career in the theatre at one point. Princess Anne is a passionate sailor. So she's considered, you know, possibly something that might work with those naval patronages. So they will try to marry people up with the right skill set. But lobbying is just not something they will do. And of course, they've all got a lot of organisations and patronages they already support. There's quite a lot of demands on their time as it is.
0: Richard we've been hearing a lot today about Harry's anger it seeped through in that statement Sarah um, feels that he's been a bit of a stroppy teenager about this whole issue for some time now do you think if he is angry about losing these patronages do you think that that will be evidenced in the Oprah interview?
2: I do have a terrible sense of trepidation really about this interview because I know for a fact that Harry was angry before about the, the idea that he would be stripped, particularly of his military roles. And, and he thought he had very good grounds for keeping them. He'd cited other members of the royal family, um, by name mentioned um, the Queen's cousin, um, Prince Michael, who was able to keep royal um, military patronages despite not being a full-time active member of the royal family. and And that was before. So now having... Um, had them stripped, yeah, I think he, he will be particularly angry. And and I'm very much expecting that to come through in this interview. I mean, CBS has made clear that the bulk of the interview will be with Meghan and then, you know, Harry will appear later on. But everyone's kind of concentrating on, oh, what's Meghan going to say? You know, is she going to say this? Is she going to say that? Well, I think it might be what Prince Harry has to say, which is the really controversial part.
3: It must be clear to Harry and Meghan that their uh, appeal is a depreciating asset. The further they get from the royal family, the less and less interesting they become. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you fast forward five years, they're just going to be another celebrity couple, you know. And so I think important for them, you know, the importance of them keeping patronages and keeping material links with the crown is also a financial consideration, you know, because the closer they are to the British monarchy, the more value they have, commercially, it's as simple as that. And I'm afraid that's what I think they're up to. Their behavior tells me nothing else
0: at the moment. Well, this one's going to rumble on and on. Bringing Rebecca in now, now Prince Harry's cutting ties with us, inevitably brings back discussions about Prince Andrew in some form. Do you think that the queen will be deciding on his future a bit earlier in the Royal family than that suggested June
1: deadline? This is a pretty tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, he stepped down um, from public duties um, to uh, try and have some sort of meaningful dialogue with the American authorities and also, I suppose, clear his name and the course of public opinion. But so precious little has happened that we know about. Um, and it's a bit of a running sore for the royal family. But of course, he has also been deserted by a lot of his patronages as a result of what's happened. So, there, there's only a few organisations with which he still has links. I, I, I genuinely don't know what the best way for them to deal with it is. Sarah and Richard, if you were the Queen,
0: God help us. If you were the Queen, what would you do? I think that taking the patronages
3: away from Andrew would be, I think, premature. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, aren't you? And, you, and that should be the way. And, and I know lots been written and said about it, what he's done. I don't know if any of it's true or whatever, how, what percentage of it is true. I just think he needs to have his day in court, um, unfortunately. He's got to pr- prove his innocence or mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, and I think the best thing to do is to just, but it, you know, if the queen were to strip him of his patronages, that would be tantamount to her saying, well, I think he's guilty, wouldn't it? And she can't do that. I mean, that's yeah, she absolutely can't do that because she doesn't know that.
2: It's likely that the subject of Prince Andrew will come up in the Oprah interview. Um, and I, I know that Harry and Meghan do feel strongly about it. And there's been references in the past, I think, to what Meghan had made, certainly from friends of hers, what Meghan had made of the Prince Andrew saga. So I think it's very likely to come up. And it is a sore because, again, they feel very harshly treated compared with Prince Andrew who, despite all the controversy, still has his roles. But the, the Queen's in a very difficult situation because, as Sarah says, she can't strip him of Prince Andrew of these roles yet until we know what the situation is. So they are in limbo. and We have the awful situation of the um, Trooping the Colour, which is not too far away. Mm-hmm. And Prince Andrew would lead out his, his regiment um, you know, at the Queen's birthday ceremony. But that looks very unlikely now. And goodness knows who, who they'll get to um, lead out the troops.
0: Well, sticking with Andrew now and the much happier news that he's become a grandfather. That's right. Eugenie gave birth to her little boy on the 9th of February, August Philip Hawke Brooksbank, who is now 11th in line to the throne. Well, Rebecca, that's a, a fancy name, a posh, striking name. What, what do you make of it?
1: Well, it's a name with lots of family connections. So August comes is a middle name of uh, Prince Albert, the consort of Queen Victoria, who is a I think is a great grandma grandfather five times over. And uh, the Hawk is uh, also a Brooksbank family name from five generations ago. And obviously Philip's really a really moving tribute to um, his great-grandfather, who obviously he hasn't met yet. Um, It was a lovely picture I thought. It was taken by Eugenie's midwife um, either on a mobile phone or on a camera but I just thought it was a really sweet simple family snap and by all accounts they are absolutely besotted with him like all new parents are and are are doing very well indeed. Oh, it should also be pointed out actually that um, we believe Eugenie may have had a um, cesarean section because of her scoliosis so know I think that might explain why it took a few days uh, to see any pictures of the baby uh, with his parents Um, but you know it's really lovely lovely news for them.
0: Sarah the Queen must be absolutely thrilled to have some good news to cling on to. I love that photograph it was so un unbrushed. it was it was so unlike the pictures that you're used to
3: seeing of of people with their you know celebrities with their new babies where they've got you know hair and makeup and and they're wearing seven pairs, pairs of spanks i just loved it it was she they looked exactly as new parents should look which is completely exhausted totally shell-shocked but sort of mysteriously very very happy and and just kind of in a bit of a sort of daze and and i loved it and i love the name i think it's quite bridgerton i mean hawk oh. August. I quite like it. It's a bit sort of eccentric and mad. Um, And I think they're right in saying that he, that the baby's just going to be a normal baby, as it were. It's not going to have a royal title, is it?
2: No, there'll be no um, title, just as... uh... Poor old Jack hasn't been given a title. I mean, I, I think I'd argue that he should be made the Earl of Somewhere or something. But instead, must um, be despite- somewhere that needs an earl, surely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> despite being married to a princess, he's he's just Mister um, Jack Brooksbank Esquire. And I think his his son will be August, um, plain August. Um, but it is great news, and I hope that it's cheered Prince Philip um, while he's in hospital, and particularly the knowing that they. have given him the middle name Philip. Hopefully that will have put a smile on Philip's um face as he recovers.
3: What do we think the betting is? I'm sorry to be
2: to to be such a, a
3: witch here, but what do we actually I'm not sorry to be a witch at all. Um, what do we think the betting is is that if it's a girl, Harry and Meghan will call it Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca I, I, think, I don't want to answer well, that I think, <laughs> I think
1: it's almost certain that Diana would be a middle name. I mean it was for Princess Charlotte.
0: Rebecca, Eugenie, and when she announced the baby's name in a post, said that, you know, on his grandfather's birthday. I think it was quite touching, wasn't it, that she didn't want Andrew to be forgotten in all the happy news.
1: Well, at the end of the day, Andrew's her father, isn't he? And she loves him. And, you know, he is a grandfather. It's the first grandchild in the family. Well, first grandchild by birth. Obviously, Princess Beatrice is a stepmother now, and I know they've taken her stepson Wolfie very much into the kind of the family clique, but uh, you know, regardless of what you know may or may he may or may not have done, or what is being said about him, he's still her father, and she loves him. And you know, I think, I think, I know that it's been a really difficult couple of years for both Eugenie and Beatrice, given what is going on with their father. Um, you know it was very clear when Biggs just got married last year that you know they couldn't even put Andrew publicly in the pictures that were released so you know I think it, Eugenie sticking her head above the parapet slightly and just saying look my dad is my dad and I love him
0: Well I'm afraid that's all we have time for in another bumper episode of Palace Confidential Thanks so much to my guests Rebecca English Sarah Vine, Richard Eden and Ian Lloyd but especially to you for watching Thanks so much and we'll see you next time on Palace Confidential, bye bye Thank you.